0: Today's episode of the Fast Brackets Podcast is brought to you by Winlight Bets. Light Bets is the fastest gaming action on earth using the fastest motorsport on earth. Go to the Winlight Bets Facebook page, like and follow to be up to date on all the latest information around gaming and your favorite sport, drag racing. Ooh. Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show. Guys, girls, today is episode number 97. It is the last week of April. Man, time is flying. We are in the racing season. For most parts of the world and man uh, we have a lot of exciting stuff happening we got to touch on a few of these things um outside of simply the racing action that is going on on the track i'm pleasantly surprised i am pleasantly uh, excited about some of the new things the new promotions things that are going on within the organizational side of the drag racing world in order to get more eyeballs on the sport to get maybe new eyeballs on the sport so first off uh let's give the association some due um nhra this past weekend down in houston they had what they called the baby walker nationals so they got I wasn't able to see it, but I, I kind of liked the idea. So I had to uh, pipe up about it today. So that apparently they put these little kids in the baby walkers. They logoed up the walkers um, and made them do a 60-foot race. They you know, let the Christmas tree come down and somehow coerced these little toddlers uh, to go down 60 feet of racetrack. And somebody got the wind light that way. Uh, which is great stuff. It kind of funny um, to some people, obviously not as exciting, but it is one of those things that um, attracts eyeballs. And what I've said for a long time is I've been a big proponent of big wheel races at the track, um, even local tracks, um, from the standpoint that it gets kids involved, lets them have a feel for staging something up and i mean uh forget four wide i mean go 40 wide with these things i mean it it, you know let it be chaos it's fine uh for the kids but it allows them a chance to get on the starting line really be a part of the action and it doesn't take that long that way right you could you could bring uh the majority of all the kids down put them in big wheels and let them really get a feel and it wouldn't take that long um you know and certainly there's lots of discussion about junior dragsters and their effect on the sport and getting kids involved etc but i like all of that in terms of getting eyeballs getting interactions with the paying customer and interactions with new fans i.e the little dudes out there so um, i thought that was innovative in such i hadn't seen that before and i liked it out of the association down to houston this weekend um, similarly, um, I mean, other things that are along the same lines of interactions with the paying customer. So uh you you've heard it here last week. We talked about it. If you've seen the Facebook posts, the fast brackets podcast, along with Winlight Bets, is sponsoring the PDRA elite top sportsman and top dragster fantasy league. So, I mean, these this just goes along with uh and it acts like every other fantasy league out there, football, baseball, etc., You pick drivers, you get the points that they uh, accumulate over the season. Um, and it's easy. All you have to do is just message either the Fast Brackets podcast page or the Winlights Best Bets uh, Facebook page. and Either one of those, um, it'll get to someone who is there ready to calculate your Submission, and all you have to do is pick four drivers in Elite Top Dragster and four drivers in Elite Top Sportsman, and watch as those drivers accumulate points for you. The winner gets a bunch of swag, um, and just follow the WinLight Bets Facebook page for all the latest updates. So just you know, like and follow. Do that deal. You know how to do that on Facebook. And that will keep you up to date on all the latest um, information on that because the swag just keeps piling up and, um, you know, like there's no money involved, but it is a good way to stay connected with the elite top sportsman, elite top dragster group at the PDRA, which I think are absolutely fantastic. And and really in terms of this, in terms of the fantasy sports uh, fantasy sports and gaming are just becoming more and more mainstream. Old schoolers like me, we had to go and you know other people that have uh, certainly listened to this show, we had to go to barbershops, we had to go to the back room at the bar to find a bookmaker to lay it down if that's what we wanted to do. If we knew there was a lock, if there was a stone cold lead pipe lock that we knew we could make some cash on... We had to go to some barbershop we didn't want to go to. We had to go to the back room at the bar, hang out with some seedy dude, and uh, make make our bet that way. But now it's legal in um, 33 states, and I bet we're going to be at 49 states here in the next 24 months. Because that is just the way it is happening all across the U.S. right now. Um, I've mentioned this, I think, before. Utah will be the lagger in this case, but everybody not in uh, the state of Utah will be able to legally bet on sports within the next 24 months, no matter what state you're in. Um, you can also bet um, on events outside of your state, but it's just a matter of where you're at at the time because uh, all our phones have GPS trackers. They know where you're at, and that's that's how it works. Um, but the fantasy leagues are especially a great way to be involved in the sport without breaking any parts in the process so i mean you pick a few drivers you get to follow along root for them it is all good stuff Um, and all that action is on fire i mean you cannot go anywhere right now without seeing a billboard uh for a gaming company DraftKings FanDuel bet MGM it is all right there in front of our face they are spending huge monies to make sure everyone knows that it is legal and it is easy to get your action down on sports in general and uh in gaming uh also so I mean it's just all that stuff is right there they're making it easy and it's all legal and I will say this there will be a time in about. Five years i mean think about this if you have a 16 year old or you know a 16 year old in about five years when they're 21 years old they will have never lived never lived in a world where legal gambling on literally everything didn't exist so if you're one of those people that's like ah, i'm not into gambling i which is me i i'm with you on that There isn't a world for these young people in a couple of years where everything wasn't legal. So that whole stigma, gone. Um, Essentially, if you cannot legally gamble on a sport, young people will assume that it's like WWF wrestling. They will assume it is fake. It is simply all made up. You and I, if you're listening to the show, know very well that drag racing is a legitimate sport. So for our part here at the Fast Brackets Podcast. We are helping and doing everything we can to legitimize this sport, including encouraging that action. Um, Speaking of that action, I have two great guests on today. First of all, Vonnie Mills. She is a standout top sportsman driver of the show Intel Camaro. It is just gorgeous. I cannot wait to have uh, her on to talk about that. And then Ron Minix, he's your 2020 Midwest drag racing series pro mod champ. Uh, he's incredible as well. So get to doing whatever it is that you do while you listen to the show, make your commute, clean the shop, work on that old heap, but metaphorically speaking, get your helmet on, get strapped in because here we go. Let's make a pass. Let's get them hot. Let's put episode number 97 in the water box. And speaking of hot, let's talk about Bobby Bodie, who got hot this weekend, literally and figuratively, when he threw his gloves and helmet after blowing up the family funny car in the final in Houston. By all accounts, he was in the lead over Matt Hagan in the final when a bomb went off costing him his first final round win light and of course my man was emotional got out of that thing frustrated upset uh, for a couple reasons right had the win light in his grasp um, a lot of time and money that that whole family has spent trying to get that over the years for the family and for him And very, very close, and it was not to be. And that is a frustrating activity. Um, I I certainly have been there um, when I went inverted a couple years ago when I asked Goose to get some really good Polaroids of the finish line um, as I was uh, approaching the Russian MiG, I like to call the finish line. And, you know, when I did that, that is an emotional thing. I was told that when I got out of the car that um i was not too approachable and that uh, the the safety crew who was running at the car decided to go to the other side of the car because once they knew i was safe uh, they wanted no real part of me so i can relate i um, not happy about that but i can absolutely relate and understand his emotion for for um you know a notable person's part. Tony Stewart loved it. He thought it was a great show of emotion. He said, hey man, I'm going to buy that dude a new helmet. Because uh, certainly when you throw a helmet that is not legal anymore. Understand that as well. I, I think all of us could understand how frustrated that would be. And from that standpoint, know that we've all been there. We have spent time you know, in an extremely tough moment of our life and, you know, had been frustrated and done something we'd like to have back. Unfortunately for Bobby Bodie, that was on national television. It was recorded and and a lot of people put their eyeballs on, on that action and he's young. And so, you know, he'd probably like to have that back. That said, I don't hate it, but I also have nephews and I try to do them, uh, you know, try to teach them the right way to do things. So these, these, you know, my nephews are dudes. They're they're nine and twelve. They're playing baseball. They're you know getting uh, arguing bad calls with the ump, and they're they're up upset about that. And the whole thing is, what I try to do is I go, hey, watch the major leaguers. Do the major leaguers argue about balls and strikes all the time, or when they get a tough call, do they just simply move on and uh, you know understand that that's part of the game? So I like. To say, hey, if you're a young racer, just watch the pros. Um, that said, the pros don't always handle it correctly either. I don't know that I necessarily hate what he did. I, I do like the emotion and understand it completely. I've certainly been there. So I don't, I don't I'm not going to crucify that kid at all. Like I, I think that is good. I think emotion is good for the sport. Um, that said you know um the flip side of that is you know there are kids watching and then there you know there was this this happened this weekend uh big daddy don Garlitz, who was doing his best impression of doc brown looking for the 1.21 gigahertz caught his electric dragster on fire um and and I say that in um you know in in great reverence because uh big daddy has been really good to me in the past um i i really appreciate his time that he took with me Uh, but you know and i don't know what his reaction was to to burning that thing down i assume he felt the same way bobby bode did when he went through the lights in houston on fire so i'm assuming those two dudes had similar thoughts feelings emotions and probably handled it very differently right so So you know from that standpoint uh, the difference is we don't know what big daddy's reaction was because it wasn't on national tv and so i give bobby bode um a lot of leeway here a lot of leeway here and i'm not saying i encourage that reaction because there are little eyeballs on you as a pro that said i think both reactions are acceptable and uh, I can't wait to see the day when uh, Bobby does get that final win line. All right, let's put this thing in the beams presented by AFCO Racing Products. On with us now, the driver of the Show Intel Camaro. She's a two-time Gator Nationals champion. She finished number eight in the world in top sportsman in 2018 from Kennedyville, Maryland. Vonnie Mills. Vonnie, what's going on today?
1: Just working all day.
0: Right. Um, you are you are the driver of the beautiful show Intel Camaro and from what I understand, that is uh, that show and tell name comes from your work, right? The, you are um, what is it? The show and tell day spa is that correct? Uh,
1: we have a salon, yes. Yeah.
0: Salon. Uh, you'll forgive me. I spend mm-hmm. very little time in a salon, Vani. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So you you have um, what are what I would always uh, point out is some of the the best looking you know, top sportsman cars out there. So, um, you know, just fill our listeners in a little bit on how you got started in the sport of drag racing.
1: I got started in the sport of drag racing very young. My husband was into cars. He's a mechanic, always was a mechanic. Um, they had a shop. He liked racing and I liked racing and it went from there. He built our first Camaro many years ago that we started racing super pro in. And from there we went to super gas, super comp and into top sportsman.
0: So, so how did the negotiations go when you said, Hey, you wrench on it. I'll be the driver. How did that all shake down?
1: We started out both of us driving and, he was doing the work, and we eventually just, he said, you drive it. You like to drive. You're the better driver. You drive it. So that was good with me.
0: <laughs> right, yeah. So so pretty easy negotiations then, right?
1: Yes, yes. He's always, for, for the first few cars we had, he even built our cars. He built our trailers. Um, He's always done all the work on the cars pretty much himself with help that we have here, family, friends,
0: but
1: he's done most of the work along the way.
0: I like it. Yeah. And then, um, and you've, you had a lot of success, right? Uh, Bracket racing. And then um, in super gas, what was, what was the thought process and when did you decide to go top sportsman racing?
1: We decided to go, we wanted the top sportsman race long before we could, but we knew we had to be able to afford the motor to run top sportsman. So I'm going to say maybe 12 years ago, we had a Camaro that we ran in super gas for years, and he made some alterations, moved the motor, and we went, we were going to first try to go back and forth. And I made one pass in it. I said, that's it. We're going top sportsman racing. And (laughs) that was the end of that. We ran that car for one year or two years. And we realized it wasn't really built for top sportsmen. So we sold that car and bought a Jerry Haas Cobalt from Kevin Bialko, which Served us well, won tons of races, and we had it for almost ten years before I had an offer to sell it last year.
0: Yeah, and that's where I, I, you know, first noticed, um, you know, that that cobalt, and it was a, a beautiful machine. And you had it painted up um, to, you know, show off that show and tell um, logo. Um, but then, but now you, you really unveiled what is, uh, I consider, I mean, just a gorgeous machine here recently. So, um, you, you said you sold the cobalt and, and now it's time to, to really step up. T- tell us about this new machine.
1: We looked last year when we had an offer on our car and we found that Jerry Bickle had a turnkey car for sale. So I called him up and loved Jerry Bickle. He was, he just told us to come on out, take a look at it, um, made everything to fit me, had the guys in the shop work on it right away to get it fitted. We brought it home. It was black and I decided black wasn't my color of race car. So over the winter we had Ryan Corrick, paint it it is absolutely the best most awesome paint job we ever had love 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 it we did get best engineered this weekend at the atco first divisional race in division one
0: Ah, <laughs> fantastic got it um and so um it t- when that process when you're trying to paint um, a new car because it's it's a little bit the paint scheme is a little bit different from in the past how do you go through that process
1: i had in mind what i wanted and i went back and forth with ryan well i called ryan and i said would you paint a race car for me and he's like no i'm too busy i don't do many race cars anymore and i was like okay (laughs) okay And then he was like, well, what do you want done? So I explained to him the colors I would like, kind of the design I would like. We went back and forth. He had me come there. He drew it all, laid it all out, did exactly what I wanted, 100% happy. Love it.
0: Well, and for our listeners, definitely go on the Facebook page, the Fast Brackets Facebook page, um, and check out the pictures because I will have those up of the new car. And it is. It is a gorgeous machine. It's a, it's a what, a 2015 Camaro? What Remind me what year the Camaro is? Uh,
1: 2013.
0: 2013. Gary Bickle. Gotcha. Yeah. So a 2013 Camaro um it is it is absolutely gorgeous to your point and i'll have plenty of pictures up on the facebook page so our listeners can check it out themselves um and uh so besides looking incredible uh talk us through a little bit of the mechanics of that what type of engine do you have in it uh transmission etc uh bought it turnkey it had to
1: have a little bit of Of work done to things, but we bought a 863 cubic inch Hemi is in the car. Okay. Um, We got it out this weekend. We actually went to the quarterfinals. We kept making progress every run. They made changes every run and got farther than we thought we would the first weekend with it. So we are pretty happy. It had a turbo in it when we got it. And... It needed parts, which weren't available until probably this summer, so we put a power glide in it. We're running a power glide behind it. Okay. Bernard Weaver did our power glide for us.
0: Um, and so you, so that's a 863 cubic inch. Are you spraying that at all, or do you able just to run motor and, and kind of go we naturally ran, aspirated?
1: We did go naturally aspirated this weekend. It's a sunny Hemi, over 2,000 horsepower, at 8,100 RPMs. And it ran, actually, it's got a lot left in it. We're just still working it out. We got two full passes on it and a few starting line runs. So we're just beginning to get into running it a little harder.
0: Yeah, because this is this was legitimately your first weekend out with it, right? The you know just yeah. we're releasing this episode on Wednesday, so the we're coming off the heels of the first weekend out with it, and you go to the quarterfinals. I mean, that was that's pretty impressive. Um, what type of ETs did it run, Bonnie? Uh,
1: the quickest I went, and that was letting out of it because we were racing, was a six forty nine.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that thing is absolutely moving and doing it uh, naturally aspirated as well. That's, that's good stuff, huh? Yeah. Yeah. You got to be happy with the first weekend out. Um, you know, getting it down the track, um, obviously probably some things you have to do to it, but, but, uh, gotta be happy with that first weekend
1: we're very happy with that first weekend my daughter and her husband they spend a lot of hard-earned time um working on it helping us they go on the weekends we all were really happy my husband was happy with the progress it made
0: oh that's fantastic very uh, happy for the first weekend yeah and so is your plan then to run uh the nha um divisional is that is that kind of Division One? Is that what your your plan we for this run year is? Division
1: One, and we run some Division Two, and we run some PDRA races. Okay. We can't make it to Kentucky this weekend, but there's a race at MIR this weekend, Door Wars, and we'll be at that this weekend.
0: I got you. Okay. Um, they
1: have a quick sixteen field
0: yeah JP Miller puts that together he does he does a fantastic job with that and um, okay. yeah yeah um, JP does an unbelievable job and um, that door wars and that quick 16 with the uh, top sportsman group if you get a chance that yeah you're obviously running in it, but anybody else that is on the fence should definitely go run that.
1: This will be our first time running that. We've never been to. I guess he just started it last year, from what he said.
0: Yeah, and I I'll have to look it up. But uh, JP came on the show. Um, is is doing a great job. Is kind of a. Um, I think ultimately probably will run a lot of races with the Northeast Promont Association. Association. Um, you know, kind of like yep. what PDRA Thanks. does. Yep. And PDRA yeah. has a top sportsman group, and to, and I think those guys will probably. You know, with jp's help we'll run a lot of those events so i'm really excited for him and you know guys like yourself that that can run in that event
1: yeah and just to go there and meet him
0: yeah he's a great dude so um you're, you're gonna love it and and i think you know um it man it feels like feels like you guys are in great shape i mean how often does the the car just come out of the box and and just go <laughs> and do exactly what you want right so Oh, man, that, that's great stuff, Bonnie.
1: We talked to Marty Chance. I think we need to make some converter changes, but we want to run it another weekend before we just up and make those changes.
0: R- right. Yeah, that, no, that makes perfect Fine-tune sense. Fine-tune it a
1: little bit more.
0: Yep. Um, and
1: this weekend is eighth mile, not quarter mile.
0: Right, right. And from an ET standpoint, was that about the same, Did um, was it the same engine and um, training combo you had before, or was this a little faster than what you've done in the past?
1: Oh, this is, yeah, it's much faster. We ran a 706. We had a Charlie Buck motor. Okay. And we ran a 706, and a lot of times we would run it with two stages and nitrous.
0: Okay. Gotcha. So you've still got that in your back pocket, right? It's wired for, for nitrous if you need it?
1: Yeah yep it's wired for nitrous
0: I I like it um so this was a little bit quicker than what you've done in the past um any changes from a driver's standpoint I mean is it could you tell the extra couple tenths in it or was it uh pretty pretty normal well we have
1: we have ran a few 640s with the other motor but definitely it had two stages to get it there this thing is just an absolute beast in the car. It was. It took a little getting used to be, to handle it.
0: I can imagine. And it,
1: it's going to take a little more getting used to, I think. But I do love the car. I say it's a longer wheelbase. Um, I think that will definitely be a help with the power, having you know that extra seven inches there. Yeah. And we'll just keep working it out.
0: No, I, I like it. Um, yeah, and those, those are those are beautiful cars, too. Those body styles are great. Have you always been kind of a Camaro um, girl family? Because it, it sounds I like... I love the Camaro. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah.
0: Uh, when it was time to get a new one, you said, no, 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 we're going back to the Camaro?
1: Well, I just saw it and liked it, and finding a nice car out there... You know, the last year or so was very scarce after COVID. Mm-hmm. And that was one reason that the guy contacted me about mine. He was looking for a nice car, and they wanted to run top sportsmen, go a little faster than they had been going. And Eddie said, okay, here's your chance to look for a longer wheelbase car. You want to go faster all the time.
0: Right, right.
1: So just kind of worked out.
0: Yeah, it's amazing, right? Seven inches, but it it does drive completely different. I'm assuming.
1: Yes, it does. It really does.
0: Yeah, this this isn't why I had you on the show, but I've I've got a 2013 uh, Camaro sitting in you know in uh, in my shop right now, and um, it's. It wasn't built for me, so it's a little tight for me. So I may have to get rid of it. But uh, man, those body styles are are really slick, and I think the arrow is as good as can be from a top sportsman body as well.
1: It looks it to me,
0: <laughs> right? Yeah, right.
1: they look so aerodynamic.
0: Yeah. Uh, now
1: your vision isn't as good out of it that's for sure
0: yeah uh, there's not much window in those things is there to the side and and back No. but uh, that no part of why you got to have a big motor right you got to have a big motor so you can you can chase a little bit exactly (laughs) that's a help right we're, we're gonna logic ourselves into going 16s here before too awful long bonnie i mean just you know just let her rip and then you know say i have to chase there's no other way you know just, just do it yeah. there and get yourself there um, that's
1: what we're hoping for
0: i like it well bonnie i know that you have to get back at it you have to make people uh pretty and get them on there with our day so thank you for uh taking some time with us today and uh, we wish you well for the rest of the season. Come back and and talk to us after, you know, um, after you've got that thing in the winter circle. We'd love to have you back.
1: Okay, thanks for having me this morning.
0: Yep, um, thanks so much for coming on, and uh, good luck the rest of the season, guys, girls. That is okay. Bonnie Mills in the show and tell. Beautiful Camaro. Today's Half Track Report is brought to you by DragRaceLawyer.com. There was a great article in Auto Week. If you follow a Fast Brackets podcast Facebook page, you saw that. Um, and it was an article on Ron Caps who essentially said Ed Harney and the Drag Race Lawyer was the all-star, the MVP of his offseason. So if you have some high horsepower legal needs, do not forget about DragRaceLawyer.com. All right, let's get to a little bit of the action we had over the weekend. We had some Midwest Drag Racing Series action that was rained out that will be finalized in Tulsa very soon. Uh, But uh, on the NHRA side, there was lots of action. So... um, In Houston, national event, top dragster. Uh, There were 28 cars in the top dragster side. Rusty Baxter was your number one qualifier. He goes 6'10 with a 2 at 214 miles an hour, 2,000 from perfect. But your winner was Mark Jones. Uh, Mark Jones over Wayne Landry. Both of those dudes from Louisiana um, and really great dudes have been on the show. I like those guys a lot. Um, And Mark gets it done. Um, He's a 17 on the tree to Wayne's 31. Runs a a little off 29-1 on his 26 dial, uh, but has enough to get it done. Mark Jones over Wayne Landry in the final. Gets the win light and the national event and the top dragster side. So congrats to Mark Jones. An overall great dude. A guy I like very much. Um, Also then... On the top sportsman side, Darian Bosch goes 627 with a 3 at 228 miles an hour for the top spot in uh, top sportsman. And then goes to the final, uh, but uh, doesn't have quite enough. He runs a a deadly, um, he's 33 on the tree. Chris Arnold goes 19 on the tree, so has a little bit. And makes Darian break out. Runs Darian runs a 633-4 on his 34 dial. Chris Arnold 690 with a two on his 688 dial for the winlight light and the Wally. So congrats to Chris Arnold getting it done over the former national champ Darian Bosch and um, also uh, Mark Jones. Chris Arnold hosting the Wally's down in Houston. Nicely done. On uh, to the divisional side. So let's start in Reynolds, Georgia with the division two action there. Um, There were 12 cars in in the top sportsman group. Jackie Bennett is your number one qualifier. Uh, 640 with a five at 219. Really nice pass for the top spot there and not a bunch of cars. So didn't have to lay on it and absolutely did. Great stuff there. Vince Hoda gets the W, the wind light, and the Wally in the final. Vince Hoda owes for Ken Wells. Vince is 25 on the tree. Um, 662.8 on his 61 dial. And uh, Ken Wells, uh, really close but not quite there. So congrats to Vince Hoda. Uh, Vance Houston gets the win on the top dragster side. Um, Jim Mayfield in the final as well. Um, I I don't have a lot of information here for whatever reason, but uh, Vance Houston gets the final. Congrats um, getting the win in the top dragster final. Um, on the Division I side, um, in top sportsman, they went to Atco, New Jersey. Um, you heard... Bonnie Mills saying, hey, uh, went up there and shook down that beautiful car early. Um, Jeff Brooks goes a 633.4 at 221 miles an hour in his Henry J to take the top spot of all 24 cars that showed up there. Um, And then Jeff Brooks goes to the final, goes uh, number one qualifier, and then final round victory. Runs a thirty-eight six on his 37 dial for the wind light over Richard Lachapelle, And a great win for Jeff, um, who gets back in the winner's circle in that really cool Henry J. On the top dragster side, there were 23 cars. Scott Lucan goes a 6.10 with a 6 at 232 miles an hour. Absolutely moving. And Albert Staffarini gets the win over Vince Mussolino when Vince goes red 002. So congrats to Jeff Brooks. Congrats to Albert Staffarini on the top dragster side and everybody in division one and division two getting down last weekend. Whoa, let's get out of the groove for just one minute here and bring on the driver of the Support Our Heroes Pro Mod car. From Springfield, Missouri, he is your 2020 Midwest Drag Racing Series Pro Mod Champion. Welcome to the show, Ron Minix. Ron, what is happening?
2: Just another day in paradise working here.
0: (laughs) Of course. Of course. Um, well, maybe we should start with that. Tell our listeners what you're working on and uh, what you are doing right now.
2: Oh, currently right now. Yes, yeah, so I've got John Stoffer's Cuda here and got dropped in my lap Monday. Got to have it wired by the following Monday so they can make the uh, Midwest Drag Racing Series Tulsa race. Throw down in T-Town.
0: I like it. I like it. They Nothing like it. A deadline.
2: Oh no that's that's this part of racing, and that's part of business anymore, but yeah, we got to do a complete wire job front bumper to bumper, uh, race pack, the whole nine yards. there's nothing there but a brand new chassis.
0: okay, well, that's kind of fun, right? Um get it going, and it's a yep. great series, so uh, one you're very, very familiar with.
2: Yes, sir, been running it since two thousand twelve, actually before the series ever started.
0: And and of course you were the the pro mod champion in 2020. But uh, before we really dig into that, let's go let's go way back. Let's uh, talk about when you started racing. How'd you get into this thing?
2: Well, I kind of grew up in the driveway. My dad was a gearhead, had uh, street rods, hot rods. My brother the same way. He's five years older. My brother Alan. Just kind of in the blood. I mean, I I raced a bicycle to school every day. I rode a bicycle to school or a skateboard or whatever. And then when I turned 16, I made my little, my daily driver a hot rod. I was just a gearhead, hot rod, need for speed all my life. What was the
0: the daily driver? What what were you driving at 16? A
2: 1975 Monza Town Coupe factory V8 four-speed. That's solid and converted it, a little 262. And I believe, hard to believe, a little small block would tear up transmissions, clutches, <laughs> rear ends, drive shafts. You name it, I broke it. But <laughs> of that's course. how you learn.
0: That's exactly right. Uh, well, that was a that was probably an easy transition to the drag strip. Then those uh, there's been plenty of Monzas that have went down drag strips. That's for
2: sure. Oh yeah, and then I built a. 67 Chevelle Pro Street car, blown injected on alcohol in the mid '80s. And raced it. Clear you know, back when Scott Palmer moved to Springfield, Missouri, and we all street raced. We had our own 417 before the 405 was ever popular.
0: <laughs> there you go. So,
2: um, did you I started uh, decided to go? I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, I was just going to ask you if you had the list and all that stuff that those dudes have now.
2: Oh no, no. We had one pill for tuning the motor. We had, we had no clue. The distributor was set at 32, 34 degrees, one pill for tuning the thing. Summer, winter, didn't matter. And that's all we knew back then. Imagine what we know now, back then, how fast that thing would have been. Uh, yeah, man. It was 3,600 pounds lead, ran 970s, so I think at 150 back in 1987. That was flying.
0: That was moving back. then. I was then. flying
2: back then. Nobody had a blower on the on the street back then either. Everybody was nitrous, right. or carbureted, or two four, or something like that. So, yeah. And then in nineteen ninety seven, decided to go pro mod racing. Had my first pro mod built, and it's just been nonstop ever since then.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's uh, so you went right from essentially street racing right to pro mod. Um, no messing around with bracket racing or anything like that. You went you said, Hey, if we're gonna do this, let's go.
2: I jumped in full bore for sure.
0: And um and it's and a, go ahead.
2: Oh, just the first year we had the car done, it was just a sixty three vet, um had a five twenty six reach blower. We actually qualified at Noble, Oklahoma, went a six when did I go? Six oh two hundred mile an hour. Okay. Six ninety nine at two hundred and some mile an hour in the first quarter mile pass. And then everything after that was just to get my license and everything after that's been outlawed eighth mile stuff. So gotcha. But pretty interesting just to jump in something and take off and go.
0: Yeah, I bet. I mean, if you if you were going nine seventies before and then you make a six ninety pass, um, that must have been something.
2: Oh, it was, you couldn't have slapped the smile off my face or nothing. It was awesome. I mean, you know, I used to watch these guys at Topeka and stuff, go to the national events, watch the pro mods. I'd watch pro mods. If they just had an exhibition run of four to six cars, I'd be up there and watch every one of them. I was a drawn to the door cars just from street racing and then got to go see them live at Topeka during the national event. And then I, I've got to have one of those. So I started my business back in 1992. Worked really hard till '97 and had my first pro mod built and took off from there.
0: Okay. Um, and, so, and so, what do you do then, Ron? What do you do for a, for a living? Obviously, it uh, it it. You said you worked really hard on it. What uh, what type of business are you in?
2: Well, I own two different businesses. One's a collectible. It's a Ron's Racing Collectibles here in Springfield. We uh, sell uh, NHRA, NASCAR, Sprint. Dirt Lake model collectible toys, uh, hats, t-shirts, jackets. And, and we do that mail order worldwide. And we have a big customer in Germany. Uh, Stefan, he's a huge NASCAR fan and we ship him out about 12 cars a month. And some people are just totally a- ate up with it. And my other business is Detroit Electrical. We manufacture electronic components for the limousine in- industry worldwide also. And then I do wiring race cars on the side part of the nature of wiring. Sure. Um, that funded that funded the race car for several years.
0: Yeah, I can see that. Um I, I personally want no part of wiring my car. So um that, that makes perfect sense to let somebody else handle it
2: if they'll if they'll deal with it. And, yeah, uh, it, it can be tricky sometimes trying to chase down a broken wire. You could have a broken wire inside of the insulation and never find it until you ohm it out. I mean, it, it, it's very frustrating for all racers, all mechanics trying to find a a bad connection or broken wire, or anything that could cause the, something not to work. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think
0: we've all been there, right? We've all been there where it, you know, we've uh, had a wiring issue and you know it it makes you pull out your hair um some of us you know still have some gray hairs that need to be pulled out um but uh but yeah i mean we've all been there and you know can relate with that for sure um so if if someone said hey i wanted to get a hold of you and get uh and buy some collectibles how what's the best way
2: for them to do that uh we uh you can just give us a call here in springfield we're the only nascar store or collectible store the closest next closest one is somewhere in atlanta georgia or tennessee somewhere but yeah you're welcome to give us a call 417-882-6472 maybe we can hook you up with your needs and racing memorabilia i like it
0: i, I like it um and you know, you've there's certainly been a lot of unique cars in racing throughout the years, but uh, but you're driving one of those now, uh, the Support Our Heroes car. Walk us through that. Uh, talk us through the mechanicals a little bit, and then and then tell us a little bit about the paint scheme and and uh, what all Support Our Heroes is all about.
2: All righty, it's a. Pretty well a standard nitrous car we only have say four stages of nitrous it's a 959 rear morrison motor uh, we've been a 362.5 at 208 with that car and backed it up with another 362.5 at the uh, shakedown in 2020 another one of the races we won there and that's uh, a uh, turbo 400 mark mickey transmission uh, it's it's uh, state of the art stuff. It's actually a Jerry Bickle chassis built in 2012, and this thing is still going strong.
0: That's uh, that's that's pretty fin- fantastic. I mean, when you were going 970s and and racing on the streets of Springfield, Missouri, did you ever think you were going to ultimately go 362 in the eighth mile?
2: Oh heck, no! <laughs> you, you, you didn't hear it. You heard of 450s back then maybe right. right maybe a 450 in a door car yeah it, it's totally totally different it, it's it's awesome when jeff pierce puts that tune up in there and we do the jp Willie out there mid-track it's an awesome feeling yeah and we'll... a little bit about the car Yep. uh dave pierce owns a car he is a veteran he was a fighter pilot mechanic his term in the military, we uh, salute his service and any other service person out there. We we love our freedom here. We we love everything they've ever done for our country. But to support our heroes covers our military people, our police, paramedics, firefighters. We rely on those people even at the racetrack. If you have a conflict, you need the police or the sheriffs. If there's an accident, you need your paramedics. If there's a fire, you need the fire person. I mean, it, it's it's a awesome wrap that is on that car every square inch of that car there is something different on it if you ever get to look at it up close it's uniquely it's anything military is on that car it's awesome to see
0: i i agree i've I've not had a chance to look at it you know walk around it myself but every time i see it on video um something else catches my eye and um just just a very very cool uh paint scheme from that standpoint
2: and we have our fans come in there and we say, come on in, look around. Well, I love this side. I like this side of the car. And I go, walk all four corners of this car and you'll see something different. And they come back just totally amazed on how much different is put in that. So Kryptonite Customs there in Oklahoma, they did the graphics on that thing and wrapped it several years ago, and it, it still looks like it's brand new.
0: Does it uh, – I mean, you know, the the adage in ProMod is it's not um... – not if, but when you're going to uh, need to rebuild the thing? Does it make you nervous knowing that there's such a great paint job on there that you uh, you don't want to muck it up, put it in the wall, and, and have to have it redone? No.
2: you As a driver, you, you think of that, but not that much. You respect the car. You know your limits, or most of the people know their limits. If you do not have control of that car as it's going towards the wall, you need to lift. It's there's some people that don't have it, some people that do have it. I'm not bragging. I, you know, I would hate to put this on the wall. Dave, Dave Pierce has sunk a lot of money in this car as any other team has, on you know, having a roller car, having two motors, having spare parts out your wazoo because you know you're going to need it at the track. Something always breaks, and it's either manufacturer default or just the fact that the horsepower you're putting down, and the way the tracks are prepped nowadays, you're going to break something. So now I'm not too worried about wrecking it. I fully respect the car. I respect the whole team, the whole crew, everything on not injuring that car at all.
0: That, that makes perfect sense. And, and you've done it at a high level for a long time. Um, and speaking of the crew, tell us a little bit about the crew, because there's I know that uh, you have a grou- great group that you work with.
2: Oh, yes. Uh, Dave Pierce, the owner. Uh, he finances this whole operation. He is the man that uh, stocks the trailer, does the grocery shopping. Uh, they stock the trailer all up. And then you've got Jeff Pierce. He's the tuner. They take that car back. We got just got back from Memphis. Uh, I'm sure it went into the garage, up on the jack stands. They'll wipe all the rubber off of it. They'll double-check every nut and bolt on that car and be ready for the throwdown in a week and a half. But Jeff is an awesome tuner. He's He's tuned. He'll be at uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky this weekend tuning four cars. So oh, wow. he is an, the, the best tuner I even know of. And then we've got Ryan Sadler. He does firewall forward, basically the whole engine. And he is an awesome crew guy, great to get along with. Uh, he's very particular, very, very precise on everything he does on that engine. So whenever I hop in the car, I do not have to worry about anything. Jeff does his deal. Dave does his part. Ryan does his part. I get in there. I'm told when to start it, when to do the burnout. And after that, I'll hit the tree and go. It's uh, just like the 2020 championship. That whole year, we only went to four races to win this championship. But we all clicked like best buds. Yeah. You, you ever have there's, – there's days that you don't get along or, you know, so-so. But – that year everything just clicked. Just we all worked together. The car worked great. The crew worked great. The track worked out great. And it was an awesome year for twenty twenty for Team Purple Gorilla.
0: The purple gorilla. I like it. How tell me about that. What what is uh that, that's just your what you guys call each other? Purple gorillas?
2: No, that's that's uh dave's he's always like purple and most of all of his previous race cars have all been either purple or maroon and he's always had the theme purple gorilla and he actually we have a stuffed animal purple gorilla in the trailer and that's just you know it's kind of my favorite color too but that's all the owner that's dave pierce's deal
0: i like it purple gorilla well i mean that's the kind of the beauty of racing right is that when you're your thrashing way—I mean, it is—is is hard work some days, right? It, I don't think anybody is um, blown a smoke when we say it is hard work some days. So, um, you know, when you can have a little fun and and just kind of you know goof around a little bit with the purple gorilla, I think that's great
2: stuff. Oh yeah, there's no doubt. My my daily work is—it takes me a couple of days to recover after racing on a weekend. For example, if we went to the East Coast with a PDRA race we're two days traveling we're gone basically seven days from the shop and there's more physical work drag racing than there is coming back to the shop and wiring a car or wiring a limousine by far it's everybody thinks oh you're going racing you're going to go play yeah it's a physical draw <laughs> right on yourself believe it or not
0: well and it's, it's usually hot too so like i i know this from my experience you know i've I will lose a lot of weight over the weekend as well. I mean, it's all water weight, but I mean, you're sweating and you're in a fire suit and all that stuff. Um, and that can be draining as well. So I'm with you. Um, it's, it's hard work. So when, when you get a chance to break it loose a little bit and pull out the purple gorilla, I mean, life is good, right?
2: Oh yeah. It's awesome. It's, I mean, no doubt. I love it to death. It's, I also got to thank my wife and kids for letting me do what I love to do. My dream is to go drag racing and here we are. So yep. it's, it's an awesome feeling to be able to go and take off and go. And not have to worry about a whole lot when you're gone. Yeah, that's fantastic.
0: Um, tell us a little bit about the goals. Uh, what's next for team proper gorilla?
2: Well, we have, uh, two more races, maybe three on the schedule for this year. Um, a little thoughts for um Scotty Oscus. We uh that's our teammate and Jeff's customer friends, racing family. Uh we're still kinda the main focus was the Oscus team this year. They were going to bring in a second car and have a two car team, father son racing. And we use our car a lot for testing for improvements for other cars. So our goal this year was to have a basically a three-car team. So that's kind of out the door right now. And thoughts and prayers for Joy and Anthony and the kids up there in California for loss of their dad. Mm. But that was kind of, I think, the goal for this year is to really get that team a second car or third team car all out of one camp. Because all these cars were stationed in Claremore, Oklahoma at Dave and Jess Pierce's place
0: i got you got you yeah that's um yeah that's that's rough it's kind of a, a bad deal all around for that um yeah that's uh that that's rough and you, and you guys did a great job in terms of that like you won the championship in 2020 um then you guys got it done for the uh, skis family um last year as well right i mean that was i mean that was really I mean, you you guys were racing together, so, I mean, in a lot of ways, you can kind of claim a back-to-back championship, correct?
2: Yes, that's the tuner. That's all Jeff Pierce right there. That's Jeff Pierce tuning. He tuned the championship in 2020, tuned the championship in 2021. And our goal is to send Joey, hopefully, for a second championship this year. So that was kind of the goal. I mean, that's his number one customer, and that's what we want to put him up front for a round two of a championship. Uh, that's fantastic. Basically, that was our goals.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, uh, and Tulsa's next, right? So that's uh, that's the next on the schedule?
2: Yes. Throwdown in T-Town. Was right. It, uh, May 6th and 7th. So and they're going to do there, Memphis got a, washed out. They had a big flood. They tried getting the track dried the best they could. We got qualifying in Saturday. The track keeps, as soon as the sun went down, the water kept seeping up on the track. Unsafe conditions, so we, all the drivers got together and had a meeting, says hey, it's not safe, so hey, let's finish this thing up at Tulsa. We've done it before in 2020. We finished the Martin, Michigan race at the last throwdown race at Tulsa in 2020, so it's it's it can be done. We'll do all the Eliminations on Friday during qualifying, and we'll finish up Memphis there. And then go on to Saturday for the throwdown in T-Town.
0: Man, that's, that's pretty impressive that um, everybody recognized the situation and, and nobody lost their mind and said, all right, well, here's what's best. We're, we don't need to wad up a bunch of cars. Um, man, that, that, that speaks very highly of the drag racing community.
2: It does. I mean, you've got Keith Haney, you know, in charge of the Midwest Drag Racing Series, and uh, he he said it several times. He don't want to send a car down the track that's not safe. If the track is not safe, we're not going to send a car down it.
0: Yeah, that's that's impressive and um, good for everybody involved there. Um, Ron, is that, you know, from that standpoint, for the good of the sport – I mean, what else would you see in terms of uh, making the sport a little better? Is it is it more of that type of thing where just everyone kind of needs to think about the collective? Or, or what, what can we do to turn the screws a little bit to make the sport just a little
2: bit better? Well, with the drama that we've had the last two years, hoping that all, that all clears up. And you and I are on the same page on what I probably won't talk about. <laughs> right. Uh, as soon as this is taken care of, I think it will come back around. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's going to take some time. I just think it's going to take some time to get people to not be scared, come back out to the public. Now, granted, in 2020, when Tulsa asked permission to open the track up, that place was packed i think there was 18,000 people showed up they were dying to get out to see some racing you know and get out of the house so that says a lot right there and then throw down there'll probably be 20, 30,000 people show up in 2 days down there it's a big event i love it so that's fantastic it's now as far as to help things improve you know hopefully social media word of mouth uh just letting everybody know it's a great race and with the PDRA. I love that sport. It's a great racing family. Nitrous against nitrous. You got your Pro Boost against Pro Boost guys. It's a great organization there. We love it. It's only too far to go. You know, it's like I'm saying, two days to get there, two days to get home, and we're on the road a lot. Yeah. The Midwest, yeah. it's usually a one-day drive, which is great, and they put and you race everybody against everybody, which is kind of fun. You know, you kind of get the old, uh, hey, we're going to take out the blower guys or or to get a turbo guy or a pro charge guy or vice versa, the screw guys picking on the nitrous guys. It's a lot of fun. We, it's a great racing community. Um, everybody gets along really, really good. So it's, it's we can joke with everybody there and have a blast.
0: I like it. I like it. Uh, Ron, thanks for coming on. Good luck with the rest of your season. Uh, appreciate you um and if you get a chance check out ron's um support our heroes car because it is gorgeous um guys girls that was the great ron Minix. all right let's bring this thing back in let's take a peek in the other lane Let's do it, let's take the stripe. Guys, girls, that is the show. It is time to pull the shoots on episode number 97. And there it is, there's the wind light. Hold on, producer Chris. You know that, I think you're doing them dirty, producer Chris. Heaven's on fire, I got you. I see where you're going with this. Shout out to Bobby Bodie and uh, Big Daddy, Don Garlitz, and of course, Gene Simmons. Craziness. Absolute craziness. Nicely done, Producer Chris. All right. Guys, girls, that was episode number 97. We had a good one, actually. We had a really good one. We had a great week. We had great guests bonnie mills and ron minix came on and absolutely killed it if you have comments questions, or curse words you know how to get at me on the facebook page using messenger you can uh, find me at the pdra event in bowling green this weekend and use you can use the email fast brackets, outlook.com i hope you enjoyed it keep the rubber side down and travel safe
2: So, yeah, we just had to had to play uh, Heaven's on Fire uh, just in honor of uh, Big Daddy and the electric car catching on fire. I think you're right. I don't think we're prepared to deal with uh, what happens when one of those things catch on fire.
0: Well, first of all, that was very apropos. Nicely done with that. That is a, a solid musical choice there, my friend. But, uh, yeah, I think that's the issue, right, with these electrical cars cars and it's certainly when they come to the drag racing world because we are pushing the limits and what happens when these things catch on fire we know that lithium is rougher to put out than than you know what we've been used to in years past uh it's certainly amped up the the risk factor quite a bit so i don't i don't know what the answer is
2: i think it was very prophetic of kiss to know that one day we were gonna have to deal with electric fires <laughs>
0: i think for sure Today's episode of the Fast Brackets Podcast is brought to you by Winlight Bets. Winlight Bets is the fastest gaming action on earth using the fastest motorsport on earth. Go to the Winlight Bets Facebook page, like and follow to be up to date on all the latest information around gaming and your favorite sport, drag racing.